Chapter Eight of Doxy Dent by John Ackworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Doxy at class. Good afternoon, Mrs. Barber. I've come to see how Andy is. And Doxy, dressed in her Sunday best and looking very bright and winsome, smiled gaily into Mrs. Ben's face as she opened the door. He's there. He can speak for hisself and Andy's mother led the way into the house, with a stern and sadly reproachful look on her usually cheerful countenance. Doxy felt embarrassed. There was an air of depression and gloom about the parlour, in spite of the hot, piled-up fire that chilled her. Andrew was evidently in deepest disgrace. He was seated close to the fire, with a thick quilt of patchwork drawn tightly round his lower limbs, a heavy shawl round his shoulders, bandages that were so numerous as to make his neck look as thick as the rest of his body under his chin and a red cotton handkerchief the ends of which met in a great knot on his crown and gave him the appearance of having horns round his head very little of his face was visible but what there was had an expression of comic wretchedness and sulky resignation on it that secretly tickled doxy immensely well endy i'm sorry to say you're so poorly she said struggling to keep a straight face and his mother uttered a long dismal groan are you very bad andy another fearful groan from mrs ben it was all doxy could do to prevent herself from laughing outright but andy neither moved nor spoke the wave transgresses is hard quoted the mother in solemn impressive tones Doxy turned her face away, and noticing a chair on the opposite side of the fireplace, dropped into it. Mrs. Ben moved about her duties for a moment or two, during which her visitor was nerving herself to look at the grotesque culprit opposite, and with a portentous face, glancing across at her son, but speaking to Doxy, she said, "'Where would his soul have been if you hadn't a pooed him at?' "'But, Mrs. Barber, it wasn't very deep, you,' began Doxy, but the mother gave her a secret nudge, and went on. "'And what becomes a childer as breaks the parents' hurts?' Doxy felt that Mrs. Ben was expecting sympathy from her, and so, with a faint little sigh, she looked across at the muffled boy, and slowly shook her head. And then, as another thought struck her, she asked, "'But what is he muffled up like that for? Has he caught cold?' "'Cold?' How could he be that waiter all that time back catching cowd? Oh, I'm trying to sweet it out on him. Oh, bile him if I could sweet the bad out on him. That's what I'd do. Doxy felt her interest in the culprit reviving. She had perhaps more than her share of woman's eccentric taste for unsatisfactory characters, and had come for the purpose of studying this strange example of all a boy ought not to be. But though Andy had muttered something in reply to his mother's last remark, it was clear that he had no intention of taking further part in the conversation, and so, after lingering for decency's sake a few minutes longer, Doxy presently rose to go. "'He's a weary handful, he is that wench,' whispered Mrs. Ben, impressively, as she let her visitor out. "'If nobody were he heaven out of throwed. Good day, wench, and thank you kindly.' As she went up the brew, Doxy did not know whether to be amused or disappointed. As soon, however, as she saw her uncle, the comic side of the subject got the better of her, and with somebody to talk to, 
she soon became quite animated in her descriptions of the absurd appearance of andy and the lugubrious solemnity of his mother two days later as doxy was leaving the chapel yard where she had been visiting sniggy parkin's wife who was ill she happened to glance up the road towards duxbury as she approached the gate and observed andy coming down the hill his appearance reminded her of the slouching youths she had occasionally seen in london not a single garment he wore seemed to fit him and he was a striking contrast to most of the village folk for she had noticed again and again that though becksiders as a rule looked neat and becoming in their everyday clothes they seemed awkward and ill at ease in their sunday best andy looked as awkward as the worst of them though his garments were much too shabby to be taken for sunday ones not a single garment seemed to fit his trousers hung in baggy puckers about his feet and as if to compensate for their excessive length his coat sleeves were a couple of inches too short and showed his wristbands whilst his head was nearly buried in an old billycock that might easily have been his father's as he approached doxy noticed that he was walking with his head down and was evidently preoccupied for he was muttering to himself in a rapid jerky manner and had evidently not seen her she drew the gate too as he came up and with this as a sort of defence she leaned over and challenged him is that you andy andy pulled up suddenly looked vacantly round for a moment and then noticing the speaker he drew together his thick brows with a scowl and answered ay it's me me a brand plucked from the burning but it wasn't burning you were plucked from it was drowning girl and andrew clenched his fist and held it out sternly it was burning everlasting burning hell-fire burning with an amused expression doxy tossed back her hair and folded her white arms over the gate andrew was interesting after all why andy you talk like a preacher preacher i'm a prodigal a hypocrite a double-dip judas that's what i am now doxy always found the tendency of her beckside friends to drop into theological phraseology somewhat confusing but as andy's tragic look and manner were very entertaining she dropped into a sympathetic tone and said with a hypocritical little sigh are you so very bad andy bad and now for the first time she saw how intensely in earnest he was bad and for the next minute or more andrew poured out such a tale of self-accusatory lamentation expressed in such long exaggerated scriptural quotations that doxy was quite appalled never mind andy she replied you'll soon be all right again as she spoke she opened the gate and stepped to his side don't take on poor boy and she leaned towards him in such a soothing manner and smiled into his eyes with such touching sympathy that any ordinary boy would have been comforted but andrew only drew absently away from her and went on with his self-denunciations doxy was inclined to be piqued she was quite old enough to be aware of the influence of her personality on the opposite sex but it was painfully clear to her that andrew was impervious to it and was only concerned about his own spiritual troubles presently she had an inspiration she really knew very little of methodism and its peculiar institutions but since her coming to beckside she had formed certain decided ideas about some of its arrangements 
and so she turned suddenly round to her companion and asked andy why don't you go to class class shouted andrew as he sprang further away from her that's it they win at ammy i've been and they win at ammy then cast me out cast me out and i deserve it and more ten times more doxy was clearly out of her depth this was a kind of trouble she had never met before and did not understand she stood looking at her companion a little while then she sighed in a helpless sort of way glanced down the road turned hesitatingly towards her companion and then touching the top button of his coat with a caressing little movement she said coaxingly tell me all about it andy andrew looked as if he thought that would be a useless occupation but after glancing towards the village in the same direction as doxy had looked a moment before he heaved a heavy sigh and told his tale he was bad awfully irretrievably bad he had been brought in three times and now had upon his soul all the accumulated guilt of a triple backsliding all his friends regarded his recent drowning as an act of aggravated depravity and he himself felt it to be a manifestation of special mercy intended for the purpose of giving him one last chance he had resolved to turn o'er gradely and had gone to class as a commencement but jabe had declared he would have no wibble wobble wastrels there and so he was cast out of the synagogue rejected of god and men a wanderer like cain on the face of the earth all this sounded to doxy very melodramatic and but for the deep sad earnestness in andrew's eyes she would have laughed her own religious education had been of a miscellaneous and eclectic character in consequence partly of the frequent changes of residence she had made and the religious jargon of her uncle and his friends was so much greek to her whilst the various phases of religious life experienced and confessed by her beckside acquaintances utterly bewildered her it seemed to her however that if andrew was the harem scarum scapegrace she had always been given to understand he was this present distress of his ought to be regarded as a hopeful sign and encouraged and she was at a loss to comprehend why her uncle should have refused to allow him to return to his neglected class she began to pity andrew and to feel her interest in his character deepening if only he would show the slightest sign that he felt her personality she could have taken up his cause and championed it valiantly but to him she was obviously only the instrument by whom divine forbearance had been shown and he gave not the least evidence of his consciousness of the charms of her sex when he had done she offered him her sympathy and urged him to try her uncle once more but the lad only shook his head and went off into another long description of his own lost and rejected condition presently they parted and as she came down the hill doxy happened to glance towards the garden behind her uncle's house and there glaring fiercely over the palings stood the clogger stern rigid and wrathful he had evidently seen her talking to andrew and she knew by his look what to expect she felt a little resentful and her sympathy for the boy she had left deepened but beyond a sour look and a gruff reply as she spoke to him in passing through the shop jabez made no allusion to what he had seen and it was only by his taciturnity over the tea-table that she could judge that he was displeased next day as jabe and sam were sitting over the fire 
Doxy joined them and produced her clarionet, upon which she began to play as best she could. Ankle, she said presently, removing the instrument from her lips and looking musingly at the fire, what do they do at class meetings? Jabe looked surprised, but leaning back against the chimney jamb and removing his pipe from his lips, he replied, Oh, they sing and talk and pray. What do they talk about? The souls. Doxy put the clarionet to her lips absently, and then removing it again, said, I should like to go to class, I think. An amused expression came upon Sam's small face, but before he could speak, the clogger, with a slow shake of the head, answered, Glasses is nobbut for Christians. Well, I'm a Christian, ain't I? Jabe looked puzzled. What embarrassing questions this girl did ask, and how woefully ignorant she was of theology. He means members, you know. Member of society, said Sam. All right, I'll be a member. An exclamation of surprise and remonstrance broke from the clogger, and he flung his short leg over the other and pulled at his pipe excitedly. He would have told anybody else that men were lost sinners, born in sin and shapen in iniquity, that they would have to come under conviction and repent and go to the penitent form before they were fit for class. But somehow he felt that these pet phrases did not fit Doxy. A momentary misgiving as to the infallibility of his cherished theological convictions passed through his mind, to be replaced almost instantly by a rebuking sense of his own cowardice, now that his affections were involved in the matter. "'Get on we a plain woman,' he growled uneasily. "'But I should like to go, really.' "'You'll have to speak, you know, if you do,' said Sam, with an amused twinkle in his eye. "'Speak? What for? What about? What shall I have to say?' "'Tell your experience.' experience what is that i haven't any i never read and the girl looked somewhat woebegone sure up with ee lumpied cried jabe testily to sam but just then the door opened and two of the cronies came in upon which doxy beat a retreat into the parlour and sam chuckled to himself as if he realised the fix his old friend would be in if his niece persisted for the next hour or so the clogger was very uneasy and snappish. He had not the courage to forbid the proposed visit of his niece, but all the same he felt it was shamefully irregular, and was also conscious that in her presence he would not be quite at home with his work as leader. Somehow he had a presentiment that she might attempt to speak, and a cold chill went down his back as he thought of the frank uncompromising things she might say or it was quite as likely that the irrepressible fun of her nature might lead her to see the comic side, if there was one, of the meeting, and if it did, but that was too awful a contingency to contemplate. At last an idea occurred to him, and though it wanted half an hour to class time, he hastened to carry it out. He would go to class as he was, and without his second-best coat or his book, and evade his mischievous niece in that way. No sooner thought of than done. He sauntered quietly to the door, opened it with the most careless look he could assume, limped carefully over the step, and was just closing the door after him when the parlour door opened, and there stood Doxy, dressed and ready for the meeting. "'Ankle, you're forgetting your book,' she cried as she handed it to him, and then, glancing at his attire, 
and you're never going to meet him with your shop coat oh you careless man what would become of you if i were not here jabe wished from the bottom of his heart that she were not there but before he could speak she had pushed him into the parlour and was reaching his other coat for him he was just boiling over he simply could not talk to his members with her laughing eyes watching him he must stop her at any cost but just then doxy brought the coat and helping him on with it she put her warm face over his shoulder until he could feel the velvet touch of her cheek against his and said in her most wheedling tones i shall hear your experience shan't i uncle oh i shall enjoy it i know i shall what could the clogger do after that the puckers on his face went off in a reluctant protesting grin and with a helpless sigh he allowed himself to be led off to the meeting doxy chattered away in the gayest manner as they went up the brew but her uncle only answered in surly grunts now this was the very first private meeting that doxy had ever attended and as she approached the vestry she became conscious of sudden soberness the night was warm and bright but as she entered the room a chilly feeling came over her though they were somewhat early two women had already taken their places on the side bench and were sitting stiff and motionless with their eyes fixed on the floor they did not move their heads even when she and her uncle entered but when the clogger after hanging up his hat pulled out a large red cotton handkerchief and spreading it upon the floor knelt upon it at the side of the table giving vent as he did so to a sighing groan the women responded with softer sighs which were evidently meant to be sympathetic doxy felt distinctly depressed and as others now began to arrive dropping on their knees and imitating jabe's lugubrious groan as they did so the atmosphere became chillier than ever and she felt as if she dare not move she sat at the fireplace end of the bench and farthest away from the door and between her and the entrance was a row of members some of them were contemplating the floor with sad restrained looks the males had cocked their heads back against the wall and had their faces turned towards the ceiling but their eyes were tightly shut and every now and again one of them would emit a half-articulate groan to which the others would make a faint echo but at that moment her uncle gave out the hymn and glanced round gravely towards jethro who was sitting next to doxy evidently inviting him to start the tune the knocker-up was not quite ready and so jabe who was leaning with his back against the chimney-piece shot out his strong leg towards the table some two yards away as though he were taking a running jump and swinging forward upon it he started off in a high key just as he reached the top of his swing soldiers of christ arise the rest promptly rose to their feet and joined in but doxy's sense of the ridiculous was tickled as she observed that jethro and lige who were the representatives of an older order of things disdained the use of hymn-books and turning their backs to the company sang with their faces towards the wall and their eyes closed whilst jabe and sniggy parkin beat time with their hymn-books and feet doxy rather enjoyed the brisk old cranbrook tune but the prayer and the responses to it were all so mournful that they brought back the gloomy feeling and made her repent that she had come then jabe told his experience and his niece was disappointed again 
for the clogger was embarrassed by her presence and had not liberty. Then they sang a verse of a hymn, and as they repeated the last line, Jabe limped over and stood right before Job Sharples. Now, nah, Job, how's it with thee? Job heaved a long sigh, and the rest emitted long attenuated echoes of it. He thanked God for what he were and where he were. He'd had ups and downs, but no ins and outs. He'd had his troubles and trials, but the Lord had pooed him through, etc., etc. Although this was quite a new experience to Doxy, she began to feel tired of it, and counted the members present to see how soon it would be over. Then Jabe passed on to Owd Murray Jane. This woman was in Doxy's eyes one of the most uninteresting persons in the village. When invited to tell her experience, she drew her thin black shawl tight around her, rose slowly to her feet, nipped her eyes close together as if in pain, and then reeled off two or three of the phrases that had been used by Job and the leader. But all at once she dropped into narrative, and Doxy pricked her ears to listen. Some weeks before, Mary Jane's last lodger had left her without paying his score, and she had been reduced to the direst straits. Willie Everything, the shopkeeper, had sourced her, and refused to trust her any more. She had been so reduced that she had not a penny to pay her class money and the devil had tempted her to stay away. She had yielded to the temptation, and had felt all the worse in consequence. Then the enemy had accused her of robbing the Lord to feed herself, and she had been very ill off and downcast. But at last, after wrestling with her enemy on her knees, she had received strength, and had cried in her desperation, Brass or no brass, os go to me class. And so the Lord had delivered her, as... Yallas had done, bless his name. Mary Jane was in tears before she got halfway through this testimony, and when at last she fell back into her seat, there was a loud hum of smothered and quavering responses, and Doxy, with shining eyes, felt inclined to rush over and hug the dear old woman. Thou lumpied, burst out the clogger in choking tones, has no more sense than attack on you notice him. He's the feyther o' lies, woman. See thee, if ever thou mentions brass in this class again, and if ever thou stops away because there is none, I'll cross thee name off the books. That's what I'll do. Now, Liger, how's it with thee? Lige and the woman who followed were as stale to Doxy as Jabe and Job had been, and she was just beginning to feel impatient for the close when a diversion occurred. A verse had been sung, and the leader had moved on to Nancy of the Fold, when a footfall was heard on the step outside. The door opened, and in stepped, though very sheepishly, Andrew Barber. Doxy gave an involuntary start, and the others raised their drooping eyes. A deadly silence fell upon the room, when suddenly Jabe wheeled round, and facing the intruder, demanded in sternest tones, "'What's brought thee here?' Andrew stood, cap in hand in the doorway, with a half-desperate, half-appealing look on his face. And presently he said, I mean it this time, Jabe. I do for sure. Aye, no, I mean it, shouted the clogger, limping angrily into the middle of the room. The class one wick and the lone end t'other may do for some folk, but he winna do for me. Get out of me seat, that gallus wastrel there. 
the lone end was the rendezvous of the village roughs and though andrew was bad enough this was an exaggeration of his wickedness that rather disturbed lige and so that worthy moved uneasily in his seat and at last ventured let the lad come in with thee in a moment jabe had whipped round and fixing upon the shrinking speaker an annihilating glare he demanded do all lead this glass or thee lige stole a sheepish glance at doxy and then stared stolidly at the window opposite and the electric silence was softly broken by jethro who rubbing his bare chin nervously murmured try 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 again try retorted the clogger hotly haven't o tried him three times he's a reuben a blash buggart balam as wake as waiter that's what he is another awkward pause followed during which doxy could hear her heart beat and jabe was just turning round to fall upon the hapless boy in the doorway when jethro with another awkward rub at his chin muttered seventy times seven an audible murmur of approval came from two or three but as jabe turned to look at them those who were thus incriminated bent their heads and so he was compelled to fall back on jethro speak out mon speak out dunna sit chunner in theer like a grinning jackass open thee mouth but jethro had no more to say and so after waiting for a moment or two the clogger turned to andrew and demanded sternly art goin o the ratner andrew drew himself up a little and looked so disappointed and sad that doxy's heart went out to him then he raised his hand to his head and put on his cap saying in slow sorrowful tones as he did so i thout as if ye had pity on me there met a bin a chance for me wi god but na but here he broke down and putting his hand to his eyes to hide the shame of tears he opened the door and was gone doxy went suddenly cold all over an exclamation of protesting pity broke from her she started to her feet after the retreating youth but at that moment the gentle nervous jethro sprang up and blocked her way and as she sank back in angry grief into her seat the knocker-up stepped over to the table against which the irate clogger was standing and striking it heavily with his clenched fist he cried vehemently it's wrong jabez it's hard-hearted self-richousness it's fantasy work would him as stood up for th' bad woman a done it would him as looked at peter a done it does call this strengthening the weak hands and, and confirming th' feeble knees i'm shawmed for thee jabez i'm shawmed for thee and as jethro sank back into his seat doxy who was still standing caught him impulsively round the neck and pressing her wet cheek to his she cried bless you jethro god bless you End of chapter 8